Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number 877-973-7425. This is your no-brainer of the day. And I want to I want to begin here with this. This is very important. It is a report that has been issued by the Center for Education Policy Research at Harvard, Harvard, the National Center for Analysis of Longitudinal Data in Educational Research at the American Institute for Research, and NWEA, a nonprofit research and educational services provider. It analyzed achievement data from 2.1 million students in 10,000 schools across 49 states and is the first in a series tracking the impact of lockdown and remote learning and the catch-up of what's going on. And I can give you the bottom line. If you're in a blue state, poor kids have fallen dramatically behind. Experts predict, this is a quote, experts predict the results will foreshadow a widening in measures of the nation's racial and economic achievement gap. This is an interview with Thomas Kane. Let me read you this. We found that districts that spent more weeks in remote instruction lost more ground than districts that returned to in-person instruction sooner. Anyone who has been teaching by Zoom would not be surprised by that. The striking and important finding was that remote instruction had much more negative impacts in high-poverty schools. High-poverty schools were more likely to go remote, and their students lost more when they did so. Both mattered, but the latter effect mattered more. To give you a sense of the magnitude, in high-poverty schools that were remote for more than half of 2021, the loss was about half a school year's worth of typical achievement growth. One more. One more. This is the guy, yeah, this is the researcher again. There are 50 million students in the United States, about 40% or 20 million students nationally were in schools that conducted classes remotely for less than four weeks. And 30% or 15 million students remained in remote instruction for more than 16 weeks. In other words, about 40% spent less than a month in remote instruction, but about 30% spent more than four months in remote instruction. It is the dramatic growth in educational inequity in those districts that remained remote that should worry us. Now, where did they come from? I'm going to move on from quoting copiously to this and just tell you what's going on here. Blue state poor students are falling far behind. Red state poor students are not. Why? Because in red states, you were less likely to be shut down for a long period of time, while blue states kept you shut down. Our 16-year-old is headed into her junior year in school. How did I get so old? Junior year in high school. She'll be in 11th grade. My wife and I had to go to a meeting last week at the school. Our kids go to a small Christian school. They have been very hands-on with the kids. They came back to school the beginning of this year, no masks. Last year, they had masks the whole school year. 
For a time at the end of the 2020 year, they shut down and went remote through the end of that year. And the kids fell a little bit behind. In 2020, the 2021-2022 school year, no, 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 uh, the 20, yeah, 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 last year, last year. Uh, so what would that have been? Um, yeah, it would have been the 2020-2021 school year. They were in school the whole time, and they had to wear masks the whole time towards till towards the end of the school year. And uh, if kids couldn't come to school because of COVID and the like, they had some remote options. This year, 2021 into 2022, we're two weeks out before the end of school. It was no masks. Everything returns to normal. Uh, but absences, they still treated very lightly. So if you got sick and all the kids, you know, after, after being in masks and, and separated, socially distanced and all, they got out of the mask, they were packed back into classrooms and kids got all the sicknesses that they had not had. Uh, we dealt with this last year when the kids got back in person after being on remote learning on summer break, they were starting to get sick constantly. They were dropping like flies. And then this past year, everybody got the COVID vaccine. Nobody got the flu vaccine and they were dropping like flies. I mean, they, they, they're all over the place. It was bad. It was brutal. Uh, it was because they hadn't been exposed to each other's germs, but COVID rarely spread. But one of the things that happened in our school system, and the, and the, the principal of the school, great guy, had to talk to us, uh, the parents the other day. He said, look, we're, we're bringing in all the parents of all the grades because we've been really lax with absences. The state doesn't care about excused and unexcused. They care about the number of absences. And we've tried to distinguish between excused and unexcused uh, because kids have been out sick. They've had to uh, quarantine and isolate if COVID got into their households. But our kids have gotten very lax and are now just either they're leaving school. I mean, it's a small school. They've got more flexibility and stuff, but kids leave in the middle of the day to go cut the grass was an example. Or they're just not coming to school because they got other stuff they want to do and, and no more. We got to get back into the habits, the pre-COVID habits. But the school has been very hands-on, really, really good. They, they, they my, my youngest is, is had to bring his math grade up. They've been very helpful with him. He goes early every day. I dropped him off this morning, as a matter of fact, early. Spends time with the teacher. He's, he's gotten his grade from an F up to an A this semester. I'm very proud of him. I'm so tremendously proud of him. But our kids have been in school. And if you're in a red state, by and large, your kids have been in school. If you're in a blue state, your kids have not been in school, at least not until late in the year. They've been on remote learning. They've been on Zoom calls and Microsoft Teams meetings, and it's gone badly for them. And they have fallen behind badly. Gaps in math achievement by race and school poverty didn't widen in school districts like Texas, Florida, and Georgia that stayed in person. Now, I'm reading again from this report and this interview with the, the researcher. Again, the researcher's name is Thomas Kane. Where schools shifted to remote learning, gaps widened sharply. Shifting to remote instruction was like turning a switch on a critical piece of our social infrastructure that we had taken for granted. Our findings imply that public schools truly are the balance wheel of social machinery, as Horace Mann would say. Ooh, high-mindedness. But um, red states did okay. 
This is all part of the problem with progressive social policy. They elevated fear of the virus over our kids. They wanted to shut down schools and small businesses. They put people out of work. They put people out of business. They put kids out of the classroom. And the societal impact of this, we're going to feel this for a very long time, from the restaurants that went out of business. In fact, there was data the other day. Uh, Where is this audio? Steve Moore. I think I played this the other day. Uh, Steve Moore talking about the data on even um, businesses in the country. Maybe I don't have this data right now. Um, But uh, Steve Moore pointed out that you are far more likely in this country to, if you live in a red state, to have businesses that have remained open and had small restaurants stay open. Uh, The collapse of the restaurant industry in America has 100% been in blue states, not red states. Now, red states have struggled, and keep that in mind. Red states have absolutely struggled, but also uh, red states have, they're not seeing the wholesale collapse of, for example, the restaurant industry that so many blue states have. There are detrimental societal fallouts through all the shutdowns. And the states like Georgia, Florida, Arizona, Texas that reopened before the blue states of New York, California, uh, Michigan, Illinois, they're doing better economically. They're also doing better educationally. And so here's what I think is going to happen. This is my guess over the next number of years. Charlie, maybe we need to put this in the I told you so file. I don't know. It's going to be some time. But I suspect what's going to happen is you're going to have enterprising Democratic politicians begin to demand bailouts and subsidies and welfare programs for the poor children in blue states who grew up illiterate and unable to do math because the blue state governors of the 2020s shut them down and locked them out of an education. I think you're going to have bailouts. I I, I think you're going to have demands for some sort of affirmative action program for these kids who are poorly educated because of the policies of the blue state governors. I mean, objectively so, the blue state governors screwed up. Objectively so. You can't argue with it. They screwed up. They overreacted. The local school boards overreacted. The school boards in Virginia, my gosh, I mean, they handed that inspired Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. It became the defining moment of that campaign there, and he swept into power because of parental angst and anger over Shutdowns over school shutdowns over putting kids behind. And then those school districts in Virginia actually came after parents who hired tutors for their kids when the schools were shut down. They literally argued with the parents that you shouldn't hire tutors because it'll put your kids at a competitive advantage over poor kids. And then when the parents complained to the school board's meetings, they accused them of being terrorists. This does not end well for them. And frankly, the parents of these kids in these states are the ones who need to stand up and fight and maybe not keep voting Democrat and not keep voting for progressive policies and maybe learn their lesson. I mean, ultimately, their children are suffering because the parents voted for this stuff and they're dealing with the societal fallout and the societal collapse of it. And while I am deeply sympathetic to their children falling behind, I hope that the parents will have a wake-up call, aha moment, and realize, you know what? 
maybe we got to stop voting for the Democrats who are the ones who shut our kids' schools down and put our kids behind. Welcome back. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. First Liberty can help your business grow. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you, we're talking big loans, $750,000 or more. Uh, Firstlibertyga.com. Norway wants people to stop driving electric vehicles. (laughs) So this story, it cracks me up. Uh, So Norway has given massive, massive subsidies to people to get rid of their gas cars and drive electric vehicles. Two-thirds of all new vehicle purchases in Norway are electric vehicles. Combustion sales there, they're going to ban selling gas-burning cars in 2025. But now Norway wants people to stop driving their electric vehicles because... Too many people after COVID are driving their electric vehicles and the roads are too crowded. And they're worried about now the um, emissions, like, for example, tire particulates coming off of tires. That, too, is a pollutant. They're worried about those. They're also worried about the strain to the Norwegian power grid, which is 92% from hydroelectric. They got cheap energy. They subsidize electric vehicles, and so, so many people have gone down the road now. Uh, in urban areas, it is, they're just too many. Now, this is from The Drive, where I'm reading this from. Uh, Norway's Public Roads Administration, the Norwegian Transportation Minister, John Ivar Nygaard, said electric cars give us greener transport, but they also have a clear intermodal competition with public transport and urban areas. We must make it more attractive to travel by public transport, cycle, and bike. So the way they're thinking of getting people out of their cars and into buses is to now drive up the costs of owning an electric vehicle. They want to get rid of, for example, uh, toll road subsidies for electric vehicles. Uh, They want to get rid of the tax deductions and incentives to buy electric vehicles. And uh, they want you to get on a bus in Norway. Um, It's kind of funny, actually, uh, having been so successful in getting people to do this, they made it so cheap to own an electric vehicle. A lot of people otherwise would have taken public transportation in Norway, got electric vehicles. They they overcompensated, if you will. And um, as a result, they got too many people in cars now. They don't want to keep building roads. So now you got to get back in buses. And it's also taxing the power grid. Which, you know, I, I remember when I was in 10th grade, I was at a very small school for about uh, j- just a few months It was a private school. Turns out it was one of those segregation schools that uh, came out after Brown versus Board and and a group of white parents started the school. I had no idea. I thought it was just going to Christian school until I read a couple of years ago. I was listed as an alumnus of the school that it was a segregation academy that they were calling it. I had no idea. I was only there for like three months. Did not like it at all while I was there. Um, But nonetheless, uh, I remember telling my teacher at the time that if we rolled everybody over into electric vehicles, which she was a big advocate of, we didn't have enough power grid. And it turns out I was right. All the way back then, I was right about this stuff. And she docked points off a paper where I put it on because she refused to believe it. I wish I could take that paper back to her and say, Ms. Freeman, give me my points back. Correct my GPA. But I should let stuff like that go. 
Uh, it is remarkable that these things are not thought through by so many people, including in Norway, where, by the way, their power grid is, is not straining like ours would for this. Because, you know, in Norway, a lot of people, believe it or not, they live in urban areas uh, with these cars because, well, out on the farm, you still do need gas-powered tractors and the like. But um, if people all plug in at the same time, Norway has more time than us in managing the power grid, but still, it's so renewable. It's hydro mostly, though, not wind, but they're still having problems. They're still having strains on the power grid. And they have discounted and subsidized electric vehicles so much, they don't have road taxes coming through with electric vehicles the way they used to with gas vehicles, and they're having to rearrange all that stuff. An entire society. And, and Norway, it's worth pointing out, is a small country compared to us with a homogenous population and lots of opportunities there for hydroelectric that we don't have. So it's not really the same. This is one of my, my frustrations with so much of the media, particularly in the environmentalist causes now, is they compare us to all these other countries that are half the size of us, if that, and deeply homogenous and say, hey, let's embrace all the policy positions of all of these people that aren't really relevant to us. And they never stop to realize it, recognize it, or point it out. It's just the, the myopia of the media when it comes to this sort of stuff. All right, we got to move on to other headlines. And Joe Biden's deep unpopularity when we come back. There's new polling out. Joe Biden is underwater in all but four American states. That's right. He is unpopular in all but four American states. We'll get into that. When we come back, you can, the scans are good. Uh, I just rushed to the studio, it took longer than expected. Uh, thank you for, for <laughs> humoring me. Um, we, we, we've been at Emory uh, for my wife's yes. For those of you who are new to the program, I think most of you know this, but if you're new to the program, my wife has a genetic form of lung cancer. Uh, there's no cure for it. She and Rush Limbaugh actually had very similar um, lung cancers. There are similar strains of a genetic cancer. His was not caused by smoking. Uh, his was genetic as well. Uh, my wife's actually was caught very early at stage four because it's in all four lobes of her lungs, but the tumors are all millimeters in size. There are just too many of them to remove, and if they did a lung transplant uh, as her cells started regenerating in the new lungs, the cancer would come back. There's just no cure for it. Uh, but she takes a pill every day that keeps the tumors from growing. The pill is supposed to last for two years. She has been on it for over five years. It is still working. And every three months, like with a metronome, the regularity of a metronome, we go uh, for her scans. Today was the first time since COVID hit in 2020 that I have been able to go with her. And I was, I got to just, just look, we'll get to Biden's popularity. I, I, I'm, I'm in, I am in studio and I am live here. Um, I will, I'll get to your phone calls here in a few minutes. Um, so yesterday I had a bad day. I stayed at a hotel. I had to go to a, a doctor's appointment on Monday morning. It was at nine 30. Uh, it was on the North side of Atlanta it is about a, in, in normal traffic, about an hour 45 to two hours from my house just because of morning rush hour traffic. And so I thought I'll stay at a hotel Sunday night uh, just down the street. So I stayed at a nice hotel. The hotel I got up on uh, Monday morning and had to wait 
in an interminable line to get just a cup of coffee, and the restaurant was closed, so there was no food. I could get coffee, nothing else. And I was flustered. I got there, and then I waited for an hour, and I finally had to get up and leave because they were running so far behind, so I never even got to go to the doctor's appointment, and then I got stuck in traffic on my way to the office, and my wife called. I was like, look, I just, I, I got to be gone the entire week. I think I need to not go with you uh, tomorrow, meaning today. And she's like, well, I'll get my dad to go with me. So then I called Charlie, and he talked me talked me off the ledge. It was a bad morning. He's like, well, you can do this. You can pre-record, or we can run a best of until you get to the studio. You need to be with your wife. So I called her back. Oh, my Lord, I was nearly – had I gotten home, I would have been buried under rose bushes in the backyard. She was furious with me, and she deserved to be. And I was, was – and I finally was like, look, I'm sorry. It's been a really bad morning. I just I'm, – I'm literally going to be gone all week. I'm traveling. I'm in hotels every night doing the show. I've got to be off on Thursday because I've got meetings during the middle of the day. Otherwise, I'm around, but it's just nonstop travel and and stressing me out. And we got two weeks left till the end of the school year. So I was able to be there with her this morning, though, and I'm glad. I'm glad I was. Uh, she got up. Uh, I got the kids to school. I hit the road, met her at the hospital, and now I'm here in studio, and she's headed back home uh, happy. Um, one last aside, and just bear with me, because y'all can all relate to this. So... My wife's um, mom has been dealing with some cancer, and she's fine. Every, everything is good, uh, really. And But a friend just casually, not even thinking about it, last week talking to my wife, said, well, you know, it comes in threes. All this stuff comes in threes. That did a number on my wife. Absolutely did a number on her. Um, because in, in the pattern of things, she would be the third one and it just, it did a number on her. And I just, I wasn't even thinking about that yesterday when I told her, I, I just, I didn't see how I could go. And, um, it's amazing how sometimes someone can just say something. It, it's harmless. They don't mean anything by it. And you internalize it to such a degree, it throws you into a panic attack. And it happens to every single one of us. Someone says something. Uh, you've got some stress in your life. You're not thinking. You, they're not even thinking about it. They don't even know the situation. They say something, and it just sends you down a spiral. Um, it, it 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 did that with her for sure. Just that throwaway. Well, it comes in threes, and she's she's fine. Um, thank God. She's she is she was really after she was totally fine in a good headspace until that just throwaway comment by a friend last week who didn't mean anything about it. It wasn't even thinking. And it just so we're good. Okay, I can move on now. I I want to talk about the Biden stuff. The president has given a speech on inflation. The most notable part of the speech came at the end. A reporter, he took questions and a reporter asked him, did he support or favor any restrictions on abortion? And he actually said he didn't even want to talk about the issue. He only wanted to talk about inflation. He claimed the Republicans have no plan. Now, mind you, um, the Republicans' plan was not to spend all that money and cause inflation. And then he said it was all temporary. It It's not going well for him. And it's not really – people know – 
that what he's saying isn't true. I mean, they said it was transitory. Then they said it was good for the economy. Then they said it was Vladimir Putin's fault. And now he's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to blame COVID and Putin and not take any responsibility for himself for what's actually happened. First, I want us to be crystal clear about the problem. There are two leading causes of inflation we're seeing today. The first cause of inflation is a once in a century pandemic. Not only did it shut down our global economy, it threw the supply chains and demand completely out of whack, especially in countries where more effective recovery responses uh, uh, weren't available, especially in those sectors that rely on semiconductors. These supply challenges have been further uh, hampered uh, by uh, the onset of Delta and Omicron viruses. And you've all seen it. You've all felt it. And this year we have a second cause, a second cause, Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. You saw we saw in March that 60 percent of inflation that month was due to price increases at the pump for gasoline. Putin's war has raised food prices as well, because Ukraine and Russia, two of the world's major breadbaskets for wheat and corn, are essentially completely stalled. Ukraine has 20, 20 million tons of grain in storage in silos right now. They're trying to figure out how to get out of the country into market, which would reduce prices around the world. Normally, normally we'd have already begun to export them into the market. But it's uh, but it hasn't because of Putin's invasion. Now, we can stop there. Here's the problem for the president. American inflation is running higher than global inflation. So, yes, it is true. Food prices are up because of Ukraine. Energy prices are up as well. But this is the problem. Our prices are so much higher than everyone else. And He's trying very hard to blame everyone except himself. He won't take any responsibility for it. Now, keep in mind as well, we need to step back here for a moment. Larry Summers, who had been Bill Clinton's economic advisor and Barack Obama's economic advisor, warned Joe Biden at the beginning of his term, if you pass all of these spending bills, you will cause inflation. And every one of the White House says, no, Larry doesn't know what he's talking about. And he was right. And they can't accept responsibility. Wouldn't it be refreshing to have an American leader say, hey, I'm sorry, it was my fault. But no, we're we're not there anymore. No one can do that. You know whose fault it is? MAGA. Ways we can ease inflationary pressures. Look, the bottom line is this. Americans have a choice right now between two paths reflecting two very different sets of values. My plan attacks inflation and grows the economy by lowering costs for working families, giving workers well-deserved raises, reducing the deficit by historic levels, and making big corporations and the very wealthiest Americans pay their fair share. The other path is the ultra-MAGA plan put forward by congressional Republicans ultra-MAGA. to raise taxes on working families, lower the income of American workers, Threaten sacred programs Americans count on like Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, and give break after break to big corporations and billionaires. I, can I just note something stylistically? 
Does he even really believe that? There are two paths that we can go forward, America. There is the path we can go forward. That is my path. That is a straightforward path to raise everyone's costs if they're billionaires and lower everyone's costs if they're not billionaires. And then there is the ultra-mega path, and the ultra-mega path is the path forward with tax increases on everyone except the rich and the wealthy and the advisors who are going to get special programs, and those are the two paths. Does anybody – there's no passion. It is the most monotone, flat delivery. I mean, it's MAGA, man. You think they're a threat to democracy. It's MAGA. Ultra MAGA. Now, is that like Voltron? When all the pieces get together, we have ultra MAGA men. I don't know. What is, I mean, it's it's not mega MAGA. I kind of like the alliteration. Mega MAGA madness. That could be it. No, no, this is ultra MAGA. Ultra MAGA. Ultra MAGA is when you use the new lithium energizer batteries instead of the regular alkaline energizer batteries. Then you have ultra MAGA madness. But he's, 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 I mean, it's the most flat delivery. It's, it's, you've got my path forward, which lowers prices and raises wages. Or you've got ultra MAGA delivery of tax increases. For, hey, does he even believe it? I don't know. So what, what, what a weird delivery. You're, you're fired up. You're passionate. You want this to be, I got a plan. We're, we're in this together. We're going to fight and we're going to stand up to MAGA. They're a threat to democracy and they're going to raise your taxes. And he delivers it with the energy of a prostate probe. I, 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 got, I, I don't know. That's got more energy to it than, than that. I mean, it's, it, it bend over and take it. I, I, I have no idea what he's doing here as a professional politician. And ultra MAGA actually sounds kind of cool um, as opposed to <laughs> what he's doing. It's just it's very weird, folks. It's very weird delivery for the president to be that sedated in trying to fire people up and say it's, it's just a, a weird problem. And then, you know whose else's fault it is? It's your fault. You're to blame. Be able to even pass them, number one. Number two, uh, I think that, uh, um, you know, it's they're, they're not focused. They're just, all they're focused on, understandably, is the problem they're facing. They get a 5.5% raise, an average raise in their salaries, and yet inflation exceeds that. And they look around the world. And they know that a lot of it's extremely complicated. And so they're frustrated. And I don't blame them. I really don't blame them. But the American people, they're, they're, they're not focused. That's, that's what he said. It, it's, it's the American people. It's your fault. You're not focused. This wasn't a good speech for Joe Biden. He tried to attack the Republicans and his delivery was flat. It's honestly kind of a bizarre thing to see him do that to be that flat and that unenthusiastic and that sedated i mean joe biden got got more fired up about corn pop and then he is he was more fired up about corn pop than confronting ultra maga man in congress maybe that and it does suggest to me and i i it really does suggest to me that joe biden doesn't actually believe what he's saying 
He's just trying to do something. The Democrats have begged him to do something, and this is it. Throw out the phrase ultra MAGA and be as sedated as possible in delivery. He's kind of given up. He's kind of given up. He's given it his best shot. We're headed into cruise control when it comes to the midterms. Now, that's unfortunate for you and your 401k and your retirement plan. As we were mentioning earlier, uh, the markets are up a little bit today, but it's been a brutal, brutal week. Now's the time to protect your retirement savings. We're seeing 40-year high inflation, interest rate hikes. You got increasing gas prices. You've got $50,000 in your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement savings. You've got not a lot of options to kind of stabilize it and protect it. Gold and silver, precious metals may be one way. You should call my friends at Gold Coast, see if they're a fit for you. 855-904-5933. They'll send you a free wealth protection kit. To learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money, thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Gold Co. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans. They might be able to help you. Go check them out. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, text ERIC to 33777. See if Gold Co. is a good fit for you. If you text ERIC to 33777, I'll send you their toll-free number. Give them a call. Hello. Uh, you can call in now. I can take your phone calls, 877-973-7425, should you issue. I, it, you know, so we got to talk about Biden's popularity. It is underwater in now all but four states, California, Maryland, Vermont, and Massachusetts. In New York... In Washington State, they're at tie, Uh, 48 approved, 48 disapproved in each. Some don't know. In his home state of Delaware, Joe Biden's popularity is underwater. Uh, In some states, it's, it's brutal. The Dakotas are very bad. Wyoming, very bad. West Virginia, very bad. Uh, Across the South, it's also brutal. Um, it is Georgia is not good. Florida, bad. Texas, bad. Um, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, North Carolina, even Virginia, bad. It's just Joe Biden's not doing well, y'all. And his performance, I, you know, I, I, I suspect they wanted to go for presidential. They didn't want to go for attack dog. They wanted it to sound stately and presidential to make it sound like, yes, I'm aware there is a problem, but it is events outside my control. And I don't think it worked. I don't think it worked. I think it came across as sedate because he threw in the MAGA attack, the ultra MAGA attack. And then at the end, when they ask him about abortion, he wants to stay on inflation, and that should tell you everything. I like what I mentioned in the first hour. Reuters surveying all of those suburban voters in Arizona, all the women, and only a few were really fired up about abortion. Overwhelmingly, they were fired up about inflation and the economy, about jobs, about their families. Abortion was the last thing on their mind. And Biden is staking out the ground on the economy. He's got to because that's what matters. There are a lot of uh, not very bright Democratic partisans out there 
who send me hate mail. No, man, it's going to be abortion and we're going to fight back and we're going to break the filibuster and we are going to abort our kids. Nobody cares except you. Know when you're in the minority, even when you think you're right. It is not a it is not a winning issue for the Democrats in the way they think it is. In fact, if anything, the obsession with it, particularly as Republicans turn back to the economy, is it's it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them. Now, when we come back, we got to stick with the economy and the Republican plan, the alternatives out there, and also this culture war that's being waged by the left in schools, some crazy stuff out there.